Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, an NFL podcast and videocast. Each week, we take a look at what's going on in the NFL. And during the season, we analyze fantasy picks. Now, this week, we're looking at the NFL draft, and in particular, the quarterbacks and running backs who may or may not go in the first round. Uh, my esteemed colleague, former NFL quarterback Eric Kramer, who provides his valuable insights to the process. And you can join us each week by finding the podcast wherever you get your shows. And for the video cast, just check out my Bob Brill YouTube channel. Easiest way to get all of this, just go directly to our website. That's KramerandBrill.com, www.KramerandBrill.com. And all the links are right there on the homepage plus past shows, so you can take a look at that as well. So let's get right to it. Talk of the draft, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, lies at the feet of two players, Pitt's Kenny Pickett and Liberty's Malik Willis. Now, Willis is the guy I want to talk about first. He's got a cannon for an arm, literally can throw the ball 80 yards in the air. He can run. He's a little smallish at 6'1", but he has that awesome blend of talent and potential, the danger of potential. I really like him, but my thoughts are with his small school competition. Now, what are you thinking? Small school, big school makes no difference to me. Um, remember, Willis did start out at Auburn. Um, what I think leads to, say, long-term consistent production for a quarterback in the NFL is the ability to, A, read coverages, anticipate throws, move zone defenders around, be accurate from inside the pocket and on the move, and move through the progression fluidly, as I've mentioned many times before. Right. Um you know, be willing to look deep and hit your checkdowns and have the athleticism not only to escape, but create. And I think, you know, you notice how, you know, I didn't say how strong his arm are because that makes zero difference in the big scheme of things. Um, and I mentioned his athleticism. I just mentioned athleticism, period. But his in particular is last on the list. Great if you can create, not completely necessary. And um so case in point, Steve Young started out in the USFL, right. went to Tampa Bay. Between the two teams, did nothing. Great athlete. Uh, but when he learned the passing game and you learn how to play this game with your feet, then and in sync with in rhythm with everybody, then he turned into the gold standard when he played. Um, and so, you know, I'm a little cool, actually, on Malik Willis. Really? Because, well, I am, because the daily grind of, of an NFL career isn't about a pro day, you know, check it as far as you can, go mm-hmm. down and run and high five the guy who caught it. That's not reality. That's go backyard. That's on the beach. It's just in the park, but that's not in an NFL stadium ever. And um, there's ups, there's downs. Can you come back from throwing a few interceptions and still win the game? Uh, on the last drive where you just threw one before um, for a touchdown, maybe. And so those are the things that I want to see Malik Willis and all quarterbacks do. I'm just, I'm sketchy on him because there's no talk about that in him ever doing that. And so those type of quarterbacks are in and out of the league like that. So I don't really think he's a first round draft. 
That's interesting. You know, because uh, all the talk is about him maybe going ahead of Kenny Pickett, uh, you know, and that, I want to move on to Kenny Pickett now of Pitt. Probably the most talked about of what is considered a fairly weak quarterback class this year. I mean, not like last year, last couple of years, we had great classes. Uh, he's a prototype size, 6'3", 220. He runs well. He moves well, it seems. And he's shown himself smart. And he's played well against top contenders. But then there's this question I've never heard of before, and I guess it is a thing, his small hands, which, of course, links to 38 fumbles in his career in college. And I guess you have a smaller ball in college. Is that really much of an issue? So if small hands were an issue in fumbling, don't you think Barry Sanders would have led the league in fumbles <laughs> every year of his 10-year career? So Dave Craig had, you know, that's the first I ever heard about small hands. Small hands don't mean a damn thing. Does it mean anything in Kenny Pickett's ability to throw a ball? No. Uh, fumbles, and I don't know where the 38 fumbles came from, but that could be a myriad of things. That could be protection. It could be him holding onto the ball too long. It could be who knows what. But it doesn't seem to matter because in the last year, you find me a better quarterback ever in college football. Than He's Kenny been good. Pickett. He's been really good. Well, yeah. So that's why – He's the head of this class. And I don't care if it was last year's class. He would have been up there, too. I want to talk about some of the, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you on Kenny Pickett. I really like Kenny Pickett. And, you know, I only, I only got to see him in like one game. It was toward the end of the year. But I was amazed that his reaction when forced out of the pocket. And I think you saw the game where he ended up running for like a 40-yard touchdown uh, in, in the opening moments of the game when he got forced out and he just took off and he ran really looked like a running back running down there. Uh, Desmond Ritter he reminds me just real quick. He reminds yeah. me of another version, sort of like a Joe Burrow, right? Yeah, so very much. Yeah. I would say that he's inside and, and, and outside of the pocket equally as good. He mm -hmm. creates, he reads defense, he anticipates so he's accurate as hell. He fakes a slide to create long <laughs> runs like that. If that was great. So, I mean, yeah. right. I mean, the guy is, he's at the top of this year's class. He's at the top of any year's draft class as a quarterback. You know, we also have uh, some other guys who aren't talked about as much. Uh, maybe you talk about him a little bit. Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati, another top specimen, 6'3", 207, loaded with confidence. Uh, there's some questions about his arm strength. Uh, you have uh, Matt Coral, Mississippi, 6'2", uh, 205. Sam Howell, North Carolina, 6'1", 220, considered mid-rounders. Uh, team might take a chance at 6'4", 226 pound. Uh, Carson Strong in Nevada. I mean, you look at it, he's, he's this opposing figure, but he's also coming off two right knee operations. So you got to move him down the list just because of that. Talk about some of those guys. Well, let's go back to Desmond Ritter. Here's I, what I love about him. I love about the entire Cincinnati Bearcat story these last couple of years. They are, and he are, nobody looks at them and goes, oh, there's a first round guy or there is a team that's destined for greatness, but they just work their ass off and they are out to prove everybody wrong. And they did. And I think Desmond Ritter, whether he goes in the first round or the third round or the seventh round makes no difference to me. I'm sure it does to him, but he's the type of guy. I think that when you watch him play, he does move around like you'd like a guy to be alert to what's going on in the defense. He's creative. 
He's confident, as you talked about. Rightfully so. Confidence only comes, real confidence only comes from doing things very well over an extended period of time. You can't fake it. And so, and that's what I think you get with Desmond Ritter. He's a tough guy. He's uh, determined. He's He perseveres. And he's got something that not a lot of other quarterbacks have, and that's he's out to prove you and everybody. He's out to prove the kid down the street wrong. Yeah. You know, Matt Coral, I, I think, is another guy who gets talked about uh, quite a bit. So what do we know about Matt Coral? Well, he went. He started out, anyway, at high school right down the street here at Oaks Christian mm-hmm. and then uh, ended up down at Long Beach Poly, where he graduated from, and then kind of disappeared, really, in college until Lane Kiffin arrived. And Lane Kiffin's had a productive influence on a lot of offenses, including at Alabama, quarterbacks, pers- and, and an entire offense. So he's a good coach. He And uh, Matt Corral should not be penalized because of it. What I think it did, uh, the two of them meshing together and the offense that they ran and the type of player that Matt Corral is, he's not he's, – he's athletic and he's gritty. And he's not afraid to make a play in or outside the pocket. He hangs in there a long time and takes hits because of it. But he's productive. And so there's a guy that could easily slip up into the first round and nobody would have any, at least I wouldn't think there's any issue with that. Um, and then you mentioned, uh, I think, uh, Sam Howell. Sam Howell, North Carolina. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so, you know, uh, one thing that Mac Brown is, is a great recruiter. Um, I, I will say this. He got inducted into the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame last year. Um, and I was back there for that uh, because someone at NC State did also. The guy that was a recruiting coordinator when I was there. Yeah. Anyway, so, but in all the years that Mac Brown, which I don't think were many, played against NC State and Dick Sheridan, he didn't win once. And so... I think in terms of a quarterback, Sam Howell um, did not live up to the expectations that everybody had for him this year. And I didn't watch any of their games, but I did see some of the highlights or lowlights in his case where he was throwing into double, triple coverage and holding the ball way too long past, you know, on one guy. And uh, and so that to me signals a, a few red flags there so does he have the ability to you know kind of hang in there uh not be the guy for a while or who knows how long and then can he hang out and patiently wait and then take advantage and show that he's prepared by the way he plays i don't know that yeah well you know teams looking for quarterbacks they include detroit picking number two Houston, number three, Carolina, number six, Atlanta, number seven, Seattle, number nine, and Pittsburgh at number 20. Now, I don't see either Pickett or Willis going top five, but I think Atlanta, Carolina, and Seattle could all go there because they've signed veterans to limited deals that, you know, for as a bridge, sort of, so to speak. And the question is, could Pickett fall to the Steelers at number 20, who have signed Mitch Trubisky as, as, uh, as a bridge? And to me, that might happen only if they get really lucky or if they're bluffing about their desire to, for him and they make a trade. The problem is they don't have enough draft capital to make a trade. Um, I, I look at that situation uh, like I looked at Roethlisberger when he came out and Rivers. They both came out the same year. And the talk was the Steelers wanted Rivers and they didn't want Roethlisberger. And now it seemed like it came from somewhere. And I got to think it came from the Steeler camp as a, you know, let's get something out there. And the more the talk was, 
the higher rivers went on the draft uh, boards and the lower Roethlisberger went. And the Steelers didn't want Rivers in the first place. They wanted Roethlisberger. And they ended up getting him because somebody else, uh, San Diego, <laughs> took Rivers. And I'm thinking maybe it's the same thing, but I'm not so sure Kenny Pickett can last to number 20. Right. Well, actually, the Chargers took Eli Manning. Yeah, and then they made the trade. Do you remember yeah. the face yeah. he had on that yeah. where he was up there holding the jersey? So you're right. The trade did happen. But I think Pickett knows no way he's going to fall to – Pittsburgh at number 20. And you're right. Pittsburgh has zero draft capital, which would mean if they really want to start over, they have to be willing to give up actual players to move up that high, which Carolina's sitting at number six. And I think Carolina can move down because they have only got the next pick comes at 147. Mm -hmm. So they can acquire picks and move down and still get Kenny Pickett. That's what I think is going to happen. I think if you and you look at, um, you know, uh, you talk about this not, not being a, a deep draft class. So what? Look, look at all the guys like when Drew Brees, I think it was 2001. He was the first quarterback taken in the second round. Mm -hmm. Then you got Brady in two, what was it, 2000, right? And he was a six round, round six. 199, I think, yeah. number 199, right? So and then you got the guy that I think is probably the greatest ever in Montana, who was a third round pick. Mm -hmm. And so you, you can draft players that aren't necessarily first round picks because there's no guarantee on first round right. picks, even quarterbacks, especially. And, um, you know, you can develop people, which look at Steve Young. There we go back to him again. And he sat and watched from probably the greatest coach of all time, um, at least in the passing game, uh, playing behind probably the greatest quarterback of all time. And uh, there, was, there was a friend of mine that was on that team. I don't know if you've heard me tell you this story before, but uh, when Steve Young couldn't figure out why he wasn't playing, uh, this friend of mine who wasn't a quarterback goes, well, Steve, and they were friends. He goes, Steve, all I know is that when Joe gets rid of the ball, it's one, two, three, throw. When you get rid of the ball, it's one, two, three, throw. And then... As I said, by the time I came around and started playing, Steve Young was that guy. Yeah. So I think you can develop those type of players. Does this draft have any of those? I don't know, but I would venture to say they probably do. You, know, you mentioned Barry Sanders earlier. Uh, I just saw an ESPN um, top 100 moments. It wasn't top 100 players, but it was top 100 yeah. moments. And you were there. There was a picture of you handing off to Barry yeah, Sanders. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. That's about, you know. <laughs> Barry was either the guy you handed off to, or when no one else was open, you dump him the ball, in it, or they, we had a little uh, screen, Barry, which he often made, you know, big yardage, <laughs> big yardage. Yeah, that could go from eight to eighty for sure. Well, looking at the running backs, and it's not likely one of them will go in the first round at all. Best bets are Brees Hall of Ohio State, who has breakaway speed and size at five eleven. And the thing the NFL likes about him, he's a three down back. He's got good hands. He's a good receiver. Well, and as you look at who's drafting in what order, you go down to number 25 with the Buffalo Bills, mm -hmm. who've got everything but that guy. And if they want to make the big push this year, uh, in addition to getting this playoff rule changed for overtime, they could add that back, and I think they'd be the front runner in the AFC.
I, I, I think uh, that that's a good shot that if he sneaks into the first round or if a running back sneaks into the first round, I think that's where it's going to be. I think it's going to be Buffalo. I think you're exactly right. Uh, Kenny Walker, uh, the third of Michigan State, similar in size to Hall, uh, as is James Cook of Georgia. Uh, Cook at 5'11", has pedigree on his side, too. He's Delvin Cook's brother, and Delvin Cook is one of the premier running backs in the NFL. I think the sleeper pick here might be Brian Robinson of Alabama. He got his start after Najee Harris went to Pittsburgh. 271 carries in his final season. He's fast, has patience. 6'2", 225. He's the biggest of the better backs, too. Love Brian Robinson. I mean, Alabama is, like, at every position. They got the next first rounder behind the first rounder that's playing. Yeah. And Brian Robinson, to me, um, he could be the guy after Najee Harris who just – or was it even – it wasn't – was it Najee Harris or was it um, – who's the guy with the Raiders now? Um, oh, no, he was before him. Um, I know who you're talking about. Um, well, anyway, they got receivers, they got running backs, yeah. they got left tackles, they got, you know, quarterbacks. Uh, that's probably the worst of their positions is quarterback. And so, yeah, Brian Robinson knows how to finish off runs. He's tough. Obviously played in a lot of big games at Alabama, yeah. come out and showed himself well. But I think going back to Kenneth Walker, third, um, he's, to me, the best combination of size, speed, balance after contact um probably in this draft um and that includes uh bryce uh was Brees, um the guy from ohio state Brees hall Brees hall. hall yeah and uh you know he's got breakaway speed kind of reminds me a little bit of jonathan taylor and mm-hmm. uh probably not yet is as refined with with reading and letting plays develop and then making that little quick first cut and only cut um, but I think he'll learn that over time. And so I, I like Kenneth Walker a lot. He shows up big in a lot of big moments. You know, teams needing running backs. We mentioned Buffalo. At Tennessee at number 26, you know, because Derrick Henry isn't getting any younger. and He's had injuries recently. So I don't see them picking up a running back in the first round, but they may go there. Well, I, running back anymore, and probably for a long, long time, is a. it's not just a one-back team. So it's, you've got to have depth. First round picks that create that create depth depth is not a bad thing because not only you've got uh, Joe Mixon is a great back in with the Bengals. Who's behind him? Um, you can pretty much say that for probably at least 24, 25 of the yeah. thirty two teams. Uh, so I think there's enough depth in this running back draft class that's going to create a lot of uh, you know depth with teams that need it. You mentioned Tennessee. Um, but look how great Derrick Henry did come back. And so there's nothing saying he's going to be out anytime soon, but there's nothing wrong with having additional players there. And you mentioned, or I mentioned Buffalo, and that's pretty much a lot of teams in this league. They're all looking for the guy that can do, you know, more than just one thing. We had a great guy in Chicago named Raymond Harris, who as a rookie in 1994, um, I think he broke a thousand yards, but he was, he, he tabbed himself ultra back which he was, and he could block, he could catch, he could protect, he could run the ball, obviously. But then the first play of the 1995 season, he catches a little swing route, uh, reaches out for a first down. I'm not sure if he got it or not, but uh, breaks a collarbone or separates his shoulder, done for the year. And I'm not, I don't think he ever really came back uh, after that. Um, and so We've seen with Ezekiel uh, Elliott, right? Had a great first year or two and then never heard from again. And uh, Tony Pollard is probably the better back of the two at this point. Um, anyway, so I just think, you know, 
running back wise, you can't have enough of them. And especially if you're a team that is looking to, it's now a 17 game season, not including playoffs. And, you know, you've got sustainability is an issue with all your positions, especially running back. Well, you know, and you mentioned some of the guys that happened to you. I remember Robert Edwards with the Patriots had great rookie season, goes to the Pro Bowl and gets injured in a football, uh, what, a volleyball or a football sand game and injures uh, a ligament or something, never came back, was never able to play again. And that left New England dry for a long time, you know. And no, I, I think the running back position, even more than receivers, I think is the team, the place where you need the depth only because of the fact that these guys wear down. Nobody, you know, for a guy to carry 200 times in a season uh, is, is a lot, you know, and I mean, Kansas city, if you look at them, they rotate their backs and a number one draft pick, Edwards Hillier, who still really, he's the number one back, but he gets rotated with two other guys, you know, uh, and you're going to, you're going to, your number one back is typically going to miss two to five games a year. Yeah. And that's, and at most he's going to carry the ball 20 times a game at, at, at tops tops. That's what I'm saying. So you got to have depth and you got to have depth that, are, that you got to have players that are versatile, that are more the three down back type of guy. Mm-hmm. That, because it's, the game now is starting to become spread out very, very seldom anymore. Do you see, two backs, a tight end, and two wide receivers. Right. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so the game is evolving where you got to do more than just, you know, take an inside power handoff and go get five yards on your own. And not even at the goal line anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll do it for another edition of Kramer and Brill. Don't forget to join us next time wherever you get your shows and on my Bob Brill YouTube channel. See you next time.